of light. We looked for light, but we found only darkness. We searched for bright skies, but walked in gloom. We fumbled like the blind along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. We were destined to fall, even in the brightest days. We stumbled as if it were dark. Among the living, we were like the dead. We looked for justice, but it never came. We looked for rescue, but it was far from us. So he himself stepped in to save us with his strong arm and his justice to sustain him. He put on righteousness his armor, salvation his helmet. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He slipped out of his royal garments, left eternity to enter time, divinity to wrap himself in humanity, a sea of glass for the ocean of separation. He left peace and for the first time felt pain because the very hands that held the stars were now sentenced to wear my scars. It was love that purchased this traitor's heart. It's what the prophets spoke about when they envisioned light living in men once again. For this reason, I am legend, predestined for greatness, built for the final hour. I was born for this. With weapons in hand, armor in place, I now march to the beat of a different drum. I will break through battle lines that have been drawn by discouragement and despair. What more is left to be said? Time has met its end. It's now or never. Collision with me, myself, and I. You see, my mission today is clear. To wake the dead. So let freedom's song rage. Do not abandon. Do not own. Last day, warriors. Arise from yesterday's ash and raise your fists with us. We are the army that's charging upon the land. Defeat is no longer an option. It is victory. We That was, that was just to wake you up. I mean, you feel pumped up after watching something like that. That's what I was talking about in the morning, right? Before we started praising and worshiping, that, that we are we are victorious, brothers and sisters. We need to live like it, act like it, breathe it, believe it. I think I send this to one of my brothers, a couple of my brothers that 
been ministering to, and I say, God, whenever I want to feel pumped up, that's what I, I play stuff like this. Okay, so I know some of us may be a little old school, and you don't believe in rock. It's Christian rock, man, you want to get pumped up. Put Satan where Satan belongs. I've said it before. I'm not afraid to stand up here and say, tell Satan, bring it. The de- tell the devil, bring it. We stand, brothers and sisters. As, as Pastor B was, was saying, if you went yesterday, if you were able to make it with us, you know, the, 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 the title, if you will, the focus this year for, for the church or the corporation is to stand firm in adversity. To stand firm. You know, we have to be individuals that aren't afraid to stand. That, that don't cower away the very first instance of, of, of negativity that enters our lives, the very first time something doesn't work out the way we planned it, but instead that we stand firm. Brothers and sisters, and I want to encourage you to do that, and that's what we're going to be talking about somewhat today. Um, I did I did read the lesson. If you read the lesson, you, you come to find out that I actually brought the study, not out of the study guide, because I didn't know it was going to be in the study guide, maybe a few months back. So I didn't want to spend too much time on it, even though it's important. How many of you here have your study guides? How many of you read it? Be honest. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, four. So it's not that big of a deal. You don't know what you're going to miss, I guess. I'll go through it real quick, real quick. I'm not sure if Brother Adam had it up there or not. But we had a, we had a title today, and today's title was Created for a Purpose. Okay, maybe it starts to ring a bell a little bit. Created for a Purpose. And there was a point there, and the point said, before you were born... God designed you with great value. Before you and I were born, God designed us with great value. God had a plan and a purpose for you and I. And the the scripture goes into, and the study guides goes into, and it wants us to read there in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. And I'll read it real quickly, all of it. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go everyone, everywhere I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. So the lesson is talking about today is just that, that we were born with a purpose. That before we were even born, God had taken the time to design us. He took his time to think about what Tim was going to look like. So if you think I'm ugly, get with God about that, okay? If you think I'm too short, that's between you and God. Because this is the way God made me. You know, a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to change our appearances. A lot of us spend a lot of time trying to look completely different than what we look like in real life. Pastor Fred jokes about that, you know, more so with the, with the women, but even men nowadays, unfortunately. Look in the mirror, and in the morning, they look completely different. There was actually an article uh, uh, not too long ago, maybe six months, a year ago, where a man actually divorced his wife because he didn't recognize her after the wedding in the morning. He said that, that she, had, she, had, uh, she had tricked him, that she had fooled him into, into marrying him because she looked nothing like she looked without makeup. 
reach their own brothers and sisters. But sometimes we go to, to, to extremes, brothers and sisters, to look different than what God made us. We're unhappy with how God made us, how God created us. We're unhappy with, with, with like I said, you know, I, I've always been this short, and now I'm growing this way. I ask God, Lord, help me grow. Lord, help me grow. Help me grow. I wasn't specific enough. So now I'm growing this way instead of this way. And I reached a point in my life, brother and sister, where I just said, God, that's all you made me. The lesson today was going to cover just that. The simplicity of, of, of who God is, but also the simplicity in who we are as people. That regardless of, of, of your circumstances growing up, you know, whether you had loving parents, caring parents, or whether you had no one there, the plan and the purpose was the same for God in your life. And that is to be what we just saw in the video, to be warriors for Christ. To be people who go and spread the word to the nations. Who are people who are, are joyful. You know, I can't get over that, how good God makes me feel. I can't get over how good God makes me feel through every circumstance in life. And there's been rough times. You know, some of you know my testimony, every aspect of my testimony. You've been in, 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 my, in my business all my life. Right? That's the truth, brothers. When we grow up in church and we have true brothers and sisters in Christ, they're in our business every day of our lives. And that's okay. So y'all know a lot about me. And y'all know all the trials and tribulations. I was a, a bad kid. Then I was a good kid. Then I was bad again. And, and it seemed like it followed me through my adulthood or my teenage years up into my adulthood. A lot of mistakes that I made. A lot of things I didn't do. But, you know, situations I found myself in. But the joy of the Lord is unlike any other joy you will ever experience. But it requires something from you and I. And that's what I want to talk about today. Like I said, we covered a little bit of the message. I brought that message. You can probably find it on the app or on the, on the website. But we'll talk a little bit about today what, what's required for you and I to truly find the joy of the Lord and to truly be able to stand. Like the brother said yesterday and Pastor B again today said, and I just repeated it, we have an obligation to stand through the circumstances, through the adversities in our life. But we can't stand, brothers and sisters, if we don't do one simple thing. And that one simple thing is to believe. You and I have the ability to believe and not believe. How many of you here have that, that ability? See, it's one thing we're not really forced to do. It's really one thing that, that even physically, you're not, you're not, I can't change your mind unless you're weak mentally. But if you stick to your guns, I can't change the way you think. And likewise, brothers and sisters, when it comes to the things of the Lord, when it comes to church, like people like to call it, right? Or you go to church. That's how people ask you whether or not you know God. You ever notice that? Unless it's brother or sister in Christ that knows God, they're going to ask you, oh, you go to church. Oh, you do the church thing? Brother and sister in Christ that says, do you know the Lord? You know God. But, but other people that don't know God, oh, you do the church thing. And in order for us to get the church thing right, we have to believe in the church thing. In order for us to get God right, we have to believe in God. See, but, but belief is not, not halfway doing things. You can't somewhat believe in something. I think I've told you this before, right? I, I believe, as crazy as it may sound, I believe that, that the Bigfoot is real. How many of you believe with me? Nobody? I'm the only crazy one? Okay, good. Raise your hands high. Don't be scared. Like, it's just us. It's just us. There we go. Who here believes that Bigfoot might be real? Might be real. How about that? Okay. Might be. Okay. There you go. And we believe that. 
And it's okay to believe that. I'm not talking, we don't worship Bigfoot people. We don't, okay? Those of you who are all nervous, like, oh, brother. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying, like, it's an animal, right? So I, I believe, and the girls too, and we watch the shows, and, and even though they never comes out, right? We still believe. He's there. He has to be there. He's like Superman. He's real, sister. My girls say he's real because I'm Bigfoot. They say I'm really hairy. But I believe. And really, brothers and sisters, unless I decide not to believe that he's real, he's real. Now, God works different. God is real regardless of whether or not we believe in him. I mean, just like Bigfoot, if you think about it, what if Bigfoot is out there hanging around, eating deers and, and, and hitting, hitting uh, trees with a stick? That's their calling card, right? And throwing rocks at people. See, we know. <laughs> we believe. We believe. And what if, what if Bigfoot, let's, let's just say, for all you non-believers, For all you non-believers in Bigfoot, what if Bigfoot is real? What if he's really out there? Does you not believing change the fact that he's real? He's out there. And if he's real, one day we're either going to be like, I told you so. When we get to heaven, God says, oh, yeah, by the way, I made a Bigfoot. See, I believe, I tell you this all the time, and I love how, I love God. And I love, I just love who he is. And I don't, I don't pretend to understand him, but that's what's amazing about God is that I feel like he just did things just to do them. Just, just so that you and I can't, can't consider ourselves the smartest things ever. Because humans always want to know everything. If humans want to pretend that, that, that's the goal of humanity is to somehow conquer everything. Somehow say we figured it out. Either we did research or we're science. You know, we studied science or whatever. We, we want to know. I feel like I just inserted some things in there just so that you and I and anyone else on this world can never just completely say, I got it all figured out. So maybe there's a Bigfoot. And maybe God just gives them the super cool camouflage. Right? So who, how many of you still don't believe that there's a Bigfoot? I'm trying to change the way you think. More importantly, I'm trying to change the way you believe. But when you believe in something, brothers and sisters, and you hold fast to that belief, it changes your life completely. It changes the way you look, and more importantly, the way you see things. So this church thing is not about halfway doing it. This church thing is not about just kind of doing it. How many of you know the Cowboys play a little bit later today? How many? Raise your hands. Come on, be honest. You're not going to hell because you watch the Cowboys. Okay, now if you watch the Packers, you may be going to hell. I'm just kidding. Watching you. And, and you get some fans that are like, eh, I don't know. I, yeah, ah, we're probably not going to even make it next week. Don't do that with me around you because I'm going to get after you. You either believe in your team or you don't. How many losing years have we had? I don't have enough fingers to count them. But every year, I still believe somehow. 
Every year, I'm still very optimistic. Ah, this is going to be the year. Even if I know that it's pretty much impossible, they're going to win. And they can lose every game, and oh, there's always next year. You can't halfway believe in church. You can't halfway believe in God. You can't halfway believe in the Word of God. Believing, brothers and sisters, is what helps us get rooted and build a foundation so that we can stand. We use the example, we say, it's like a palm tree in the Bible. That the winds come and it may bend, but it doesn't what? Why doesn't it break? Because it's rooted. As tall as you see it go up, as, as deep as it goes down. So the winds can come and they can bash it. The hurricanes can come, look, and everything that's man-made, I want you to listen to this, everything that's man-made, the hurricane can trash it and put it into, make it into rubble. But the thing that God made, the one thing that God put right there, still standing. Brothers and sisters, when we choose not to believe and instead believe in our own abilities, when the hurricane comes and the wind comes, everything that man made, everything that you built up, everything that you counted as joy, everything that you said made you happy and made you content, everything that I claim made me something in this life, when the wind comes and it'll come, and the tribulation comes and it'll come, it's all left in rubble. We have to believe in God. 100%. Very quickly, Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to be reading a little bit. Or I will be reading. You'll be following along. I always think it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that I hated reading in school. And then, you know, the Lord chose me to be a pastor. And all I have to do now is read. God knows everything. I find the Bible much more interesting than textbooks in school. Anyways. There's no kids here, so no one's going to run and say, I don't want to read it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to be reading from verse 9 all the way through 19. Amen. If you don't have it in your Bible, it should be up here. Brother Adam should be following along. It says like this. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with the generation. I said, their hearts are always going, where? Straight. And they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. I want to read that again. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. We'll stop right there real quick. 
Now, brothers and sisters, it says something very clearly. If you look right above verse 7, depending on what kind of Bible you have, mine has a title and it says, Warning Against Unbelief. Warning against unbelief. What is the opposite of believing? Not believing. And when you don't believe in something, what kind of state does that put you in? In limbo, okay. You're doubtful. Anybody else? You're not secure. But you don't believe in anything. Vulnerable. What else, brothers and sisters? Unsure, unsecure, good. This is why y'all throw out words so we can all know what where it leads us, right? Unstable, hopeless, inconsistent. When you don't believe in what you're doing, you, there's no motivation to do what you don't believe that you're doing. Another example, work. If you don't like your job and you don't believe your job is rewarding, you don't believe you're fulfilling something in that job, you're not going to be there very long. True or not, your brothers and sisters. You know, sometimes it's the benefits that keep us there. But in our hearts and our minds, we're very unhappy. Sometimes it's the benefits. Uh oh. Sometimes it's the benefits that keep us here. Sometimes it's the fact that, that there's a blessing and there's God promises that keep making us come to church on Sunday, not even on Wednesdays. On Sunday, yeah, that was a big rock, and I'm not a big foot, okay? Threw a big rock, and I'm not a big foot. Keeps us coming at least on Sundays, because we have expectations from the Lord. We, we, we know of his promises. We, we've heard enough times that God is good, and that God wants to heal us, and that God wants to bless us, and that he has a plan for us, and that he has a purpose for us. We've heard all those things. The benefits of the job keep us coming back. But it doesn't necessarily mean we believe in what we're doing. Unfortunately, when it comes to God and to the church, if you don't believe, you don't get the benefits. You know, there's a thing called mercy. We've talked about mercy before. And people get that confused with grace. Mercy and grace are two different things. We've had studies on that. And I hope that you're grown up and mature enough to understand the difference as a Christian. That, that, that his mercies are new every day. Praise God for that. That means that that for everybody, God gives an opportunity every day. So even if you don't believe, you could wake up with life the next morning. And those are God's mercies upon us. That's God saying, you don't deserve this, but, but I feel sorry for you. It really is. God feels sorry for us in the conditions and the states that we find ourselves in before we come to know him. He feels sorry for us. Man, I, I love y'all. I just feel bad for you. It's that feeling, brothers and sisters, that you get when you see the the, 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 the sick man or you, you get the homeless man. That just, man, I feel so bad. I feel sorry for him. That's what God feels for us. And we confuse the fact that his mercies are different than his grace. His grace is given to us so that what? So that we can be renewed and we can become redefined. We can become better Christians. Grace has nothing to do with your success here on earth. I'm going to repeat that again because I want all of us to understand. Grace has nothing to do with our success here on earth. Those are blessings. 
grace and the intention of grace is only so that you and I can grow to be better Christians, better sons and daughters of Christ, and to build a better relationship. A lot of time we say, oh, by, by the grace of the Lord, this so-and-so person, this, and they're not saved. They don't have grace. That's not grace. We count, brothers and sisters, a lot of times our blessings, and we think that it's because God is rewarding us because we came to church on Sunday, and God is sitting up there and saying, it has nothing to do with the fact that you came on church on Sunday. I'm just merciful. Or God is saying, it has nothing to do with anything you did. It's because this brother and sister has been praying for blessings in your life. It has nothing to do with the fact that you got things right. It has everything to do with the fact that you have things wrong, but you have this brother has been interceding on their hands and knees for your family. And we think that we got it figured out. But if you don't believe, brother and sister, if I don't believe, we turn away from God. It says there in verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. So for those of us who do not believe, the Bible is saying that it's a sinful act not to believe. I'm going to ask you this question right now and watch. All the hands are going to go up. How many of you believe in God? Raise your hand. So if you believe, you should be able to stand. Now the writer here in Hebrews was talking very specifically and getting to the point that he was trying to make is that what? That he wanted them to understand without a shadow of a doubt what? He wanted them to understand that they had to serve God and believe in God through all the circumstances. Because why? At this point where we're reading Hebrews, we know that the, the, the temple in Jerusalem had already been destroyed. The Romans had come and destroyed it. And we also know that Jesus had already come and that there was kind of a a divide, if you will, between Jewish Christians and Jews. Jewish Christians believed that Jesus was the Messiah. So the Jewish Christians were not only being persecuted by the Romans, they were also being persecuted by the Jews themselves, the unbelieving Jews. And and he goes into an extreme to, to, to say these words, To warn them not to fall into a state of disbelief. Not to fall into a state, brothers and sisters, where we start questioning what we know is true. We know that this year is about standing firm. But again, I want to stress, we cannot stand firm if we don't believe in what we're doing. You cannot be a good Christian if you don't believe in godliness and Christianity. You cannot be a good a good follower of Christ if you don't listen and believe the word of God in its entirety. Not bits and pieces. Not the verses that sound real good and make you feel good, but the verses that hurt. Watch this. Let me find it. Hebrews chapter 4. Just turn, turn to the next chapter. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Amen. It says, for the word of God is alive. What's the word of God? Everybody show me the word of God. Do you have your word of God? Praise God. The word of God is what? And what? And active. I remember too, over a year ago, I said the church should be active. It should never be still. Because the word of God is what? It's alive and it's active. But here's the key. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates 
even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of what? Of the heart. So what's the word? It's alive. It's active. But the word is also judgment. The word of God is the filter, brothers and sisters. You ask, how do I know if I believe? Read scripture, and it'll tell you if you believe or don't believe. It requires you, brothers and sisters. It's a double-edged sword. I want you to think about that for a second. Pierces the heart. Why? Because out here, we can say, we can do. I'm a believer. God is good. Praise God. Hallelujah, right? And all those things. And even with actions, we can do all these things. But the heart and what's in it is what's most important. How do I know this? Because we're talking about people who really believe. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen people within these walls and out of the walls. I've been one of these people who claim to believe in God. But all my actions said something completely different. And I'm not talking about going out and doing something wrong. I'm not saying I was out there drinking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all the little things that the word of God requires from you and I as believers. I'm talking about something we don't like to talk about a lot as Christians is maturity. The fact that at, at first we can be we can be fed milk, but at some point we gotta start eating meat. But if you're too sensitive, right? You know why you can't feed a baby meat? It's too sensitive. Their panza, the stomach can't digest because it's too sensitive. It hasn't built the, the necessary enzymes, bacteria to properly break something down. And guess what else is very mature about a baby? They don't have teeth, so they can't bite. They can't chew the meat. Christianity, brothers and sisters, and godliness—it's the same way. Yeah, when we first start, fine. We're fed milk, and people love us, and they're caring, and they, they rub your back almost sometimes. You ever notice that? You come up, you just you just accept the Lord, and you come up, and you start praying, you start crying, and a sister will come. It's okay. Right? Get to use that. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. God loves you. Everything's going to be fine. God knows all things. You know, God knows. He, he has a plan and a purpose for you, sister, brother. Don't worry about it. You know, before you were born, before you were in the mother's womb, God met you. He took the time to make a master. Oh, how lovely those words are. Ah, and the whole time, the back rub. And that's okay. You know, when our babies fall, like all our kids here bump their heads. Our babies own all the benches, I think. Their baby more than anyway. What? You get okay, it's okay, it's okay. But at some point, Oh, and even with me with girls at some point, hey, get up. That's your get up. I told you not to be climbing on that. You you change gears. You start treating because you expect there to be some maturity there. And sometimes we come up here and we've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, 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 and you're looking around waiting for someone to come lay hands on you. And sometimes the meat, brothers and sisters, is not that. Sometimes it's like, well, the brother should know how to pray. 
The brother is, 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 you know, the way we see it, we see a mature individual. We think well, he's praying, he's giving his everything to God, he's leaving it all there. I don't want to bother the brother. I don't want to bother the sister. Because we've grown into maturity. But brothers and sisters, a lot of times what happens, what we just read here, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the word of God. And we wonder why some people don't like to read the word of God. It's because they don't want to be judged. It's because when you get down to it and you open the Bible and you start to read scripture, something starts tugging at the heart. You feel that piercing of the sword. And you say, ouch, 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 ouch. Ooh, that hurt. Or it hurts. It hurts. Brothers and sisters, I did not get to where I got to without being hurt a lot. Because I was the most stubborn kid you could probably meet. And I never. Read your Bible. And I never wanted to be wrong. Ever. You told me to sit. I stood up. Mm. Okay, well, stand up. Now I'll sit. And that's how I could have you like, you're not gonna, you weren't going to beat me. You were not going to beat me. You weren't. You could, you could repeat it all you want. I'll keep doing it. You would tire out before I would tire out. I guarantee it. Took after mom. Thanks, mom. Stubborn. And when I really, 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 really started believing in what I was doing, okay, here's the difference. I grew up in church. I know my story. Uh, you know, I, I've never known anything but God and church. But when I really started believing and I started reading my scripture, oh, oh that hurts. Turn the other cheek. Be humble. Oh. It was hard. But because I believed, because I set my mind to saying and my heart saying, this is me now. This is real. It has to be real. And I gave it my all. Finally, things started to change in my life. And I say this all the time. I say, you know, we ask God to change us, but you need to change yourself. I mean, really, I'm not saying God's there with us. But if we have free will, God can't even force us to be better. Does that, does that, does that land somewhere in your mind, in your heart, brother and sister? We, we, God just doesn't rip something out of you. He doesn't. You can lay it down and he'll take it from you. Father God, here's my sin. Here's my struggle. Take it from me. But I'm lifting it up. I'm saying, here, I'm doing my part. I'm making the changes in my life. I'm staying away. You know, brothers and sisters, if there's something there that keeps pulling you back, then move your way out of it and pray and ask God for help in that circumstance. But some people, brothers, they still want to go. I'm going to go to the violin. I'm going to go to the dance. It doesn't matter. I have an alcohol problem, but I'm still going. Oh, God, I fell again. I don't know how it happened. Bro, don't. Things, pornography, brother, sister, because it works both ways. If you have an issue, if you have a circumstance, and you really believe in God and the scripture, you read and you realize that the obligation is for you to separate yourself as far from it as possible. 
Oh, but I gotta have internet. I have to cut your internet off. Oh, but but the computer in the bedroom, it doesn't matter. Put the put the computer somewhere else. Why? Because we have an obligation on our own, brothers and sisters, to do the things that the word is asking us to do. To find a separation between good and evil. Not to walk the line very carefully. Not to have one leg in, one leg out. Not to be lukewarm, but either be hot or be cold. And in this case, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. If the word is alive and active, then you and I should be what? Live and active. It's not a switch. It's nothing you do. It's not something you just turn on when you get to church. I'm alive now. Yay. Right? That's my version of the, of the sisters. Sorry, I'll do respect. <laughs> and the men, strong, confident. All right. I've been good, honey. Can I say hi? I'm going to say hi to the brother. Yeah, no? Okay, no, no. Sit down right here. Brothers, sisters, it's not a switch. You know, if you believe, and all of you raise your hands, praise God for that, then you got to believe all the way. You need to believe in the God that promises all the gifts that he promises. And if you want to, you want to challenge yourself and say, do I really believe? Scripture just says it. To take the word of God and open it. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Listen to this. If I were to ask most of you, what do you think with? You would say what? Right? What do you think with? Let me ask you. I want you to answer. What do you all think with? The brain. Okay, that's where we got it wrong. You're right. Because I would answer the same thing. But when you become a mature spiritual person, you realize you no longer think this. With this. Now it goes against everything science teaches us. Science says that this makes all the decisions making, right? It processes everything. It's a big computer and it's cool and it has a bunch of stuff in it. It looks really weird, but it's, it's cool. But the word is telling us right here that it judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. So your attitude comes from where? So if you have a bad attitude, I guess you got a bad heart. I was there. I still struggle. But the point is, is I believe enough in the Lord. Go back to word and allow him to transform the heart. To change the heart. Look, brothers and sisters, a heart that does not believe does not stand. If your heart is dead, your body is dead. If the heart isn't functioning, you could stand and as soon as the heart stops functioning, what happens? Your body falls. It falls. How many of you have ever fainted? I fainted that. I've never fainted. Praise God. You're going to be in a horrible pain. How many of you have ever fallen? She holds the record. What happens? The body gives out. If your heart, you know, some of us, high blood pressure, all those things, boom. They take you, they do a stress test for a reason. They're checking how much your heart can really 
take. It's not about how much muscles you have or how fit you are or how many times you can throw a high kick. You ever know a stress test? The only thing is checking. It wants to determine, the, 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 the checks determine how good the heart is. What kind of condition the heart is. Brothers and sisters, for you and I, the word is a stress test for the heart. The word of God, the living word of God is a stress test for the heart. When you examine your heart with the word of God, when you read the scriptures and you identify and you find and you say, okay, where am I? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, being honest with yourself, being real with yourself, you know, being, being, being real. You realize the places where your heart is, is weak and where you have to build. We all have different things in our lives. We all have different things that we struggle with. But the word of God is here to identify those things and help us change them. Nothing in verse 13 in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him in whom we must give account. Not to scare you, but God knows everything. Not to make you afraid, but God knows everything. So you may fool Pastor Fred. You may fool Pastor Tim. You may fool your husband, your wife next to you. You may even fool your kids. But you're not fooling the one that matters. You're not sneaking anything by the one that matters. For he knows everything in all creation. He sees with his eyes. We have to be people who don't lose our belief. The Israelites had done that back in the day with Moses. That's what he was referencing when we read there in chapter 3. That he was referencing that the ancestors, when they were brought out, you see, they believed, they struggled to believe. Just like you and me, we struggle, right? They had the ten, the ten plagues. And it was until the angel of death came and, and, and wiped out the firstborns of everybody who, who, who wasn't uh, an Israelite, who hadn't painted their, their door trims. And then they, oh, man, yes. God is real. God is good. We're being delivered. We're going. It didn't last very long, did it? Where did they reach the first time they said, oh, forget this. They started walking. They got hungry. And then and then in my, my point of view, the first one was they, they hit the river, the sea. Oh. What, what happened to their belief? What happened to their optimism? What happened to their faith in God? Moses, you just brought us out here to die. How dramatic. Some of us are dramatic sometimes. God, but I served you, God. I, I, we've, I'm sure a lot of us, the, the older brothers, we've dealt with brothers and sisters that they backslide and you go and you visit them. No, it's that I gave God everything. You don't understand. I understand completely. I've given God everything and it hasn't always been perfect. Life hasn't always been, you know, ice cream with a cherry on top. We get dramatic. 
I believe in God because I have a house, I have a car, I have a good job, my wife is beautiful. That's why I believe in God. And then when those things fade away, fall apart, I don't know anymore. And sometimes we're not so confident just to say it like that. We won't say it like that, but the word knows our heart, and that's what we're thinking with the heart. That's the attitude we have. You know, brothers and sisters, let's just be honest with you. Look, we're not here to judge one another, but the word says, we just read it right here, that the word judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. And guess what? If you and I know the word of God, then by default, we know how the word is going to judge you. Does that make sense? If I know the word of God and the word of God judges the thoughts and the and the intentions and the attitude of the heart, then it's not hard for me to determine where you're standing before the Lord. I'm just saying. Now it's different if, if, if somebody who never reads their Bible accuses you of something or says, brother, I don't think you're right, or sister, I think you're wrong. They've never read a day in their life, never read the scripture. That's a completely different thing. Because then you, as someone who knows the word of God, can bring the Bible and say, look, show me where it says. But the brother and the sister that know the word of God know you and know how you stand up against the word of God. You know, the, 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 the ruler in, in our lives, the ruler, and I mean like the measuring stick, maybe it's a better way to put it, is the word of God. The measuring stick in all of our lives is the word of God. It's nothing else. Don't, don't, don't look at someone and say he's a man of God because of all the blessings that he has. I'll go back to what I said earlier. A pastor could have the biggest house, could have the nicest cars, the most beautiful wife. Don't say, wow, the Lord is really blessing that pastor. I said it earlier. He could be as bad and, and as wrong as it can be and still have those things. The way you measure a brother or sister is based on the word of God. So don't ever take it wrong, brothers and sisters, with a brother you know, especially an elder or senior comes and says, look, brother, I've been reading my scripture and I have this concern about your life. There's always a right way to do things. Understand that. But the word, brothers and sisters, judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. So if you have a sister that's coming to church or you have a brother that's coming to church and their attitude stinks and is a poor attitude, don't try to fix this or say something wrong with his head. Sometimes we say that. Ta loca. Ta loco. Something's wrong with their heart. And just like you would have a concern, brothers and sisters, if I stood up here one day and said, look, I went to the doctor and he told me my heart is not good right now. The same concern that I hope and I know you would take and say, ah, it's health. When you, when you hear someone has heart problems, what's the biggest fear you have for them? It's dying. Or is that just me? It's dying. You're, you, you begin to pray and you ask the Lord, hopefully you love your brother or sister enough to say, Lord, heal his heart. Because you don't want that person to die. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. My intention should be with the word of God to say that brother or that sister, their heart, their heart is hurt. And my concern should be for them to die spiritually. That they stop believing in God. But it starts from within. The Israelites have been taken out, brothers and sisters, and they what? They stopped believing several times. So much so that God got angry. The Bible tells us right there, we read it. 
that God got angry in verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. I can't keep their hearts focused on me. I can't keep their hearts focused on, on God, their creator. And they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. God swore. It's an oath. God swore to himself, they shall never enter my rest. And they didn't. That's why they were traveling around for 40 years. Why? Because their heart always strayed away. That's why I don't like cats, brothers and sisters. Look at cats. Cats will always leave. Open the door. Open the door, I dare you. And sisters, I have this, this app on, on this next door app. Maybe here in Pearson, it's not a big deal, but like larger cities, they have a bunch of subdivisions, right? And they have a, what's called a next door app, which is all your neighbors from that subdivision. You log on, and, and it's just kind of to keep track of things. And if, if there's burglaries, you know, they'll go on there and say, my house is burglarized. You just kind of neighborhood watch, but, but it's an app. Everything's an app, right? And did you not? More than any posting is someone who lost their sweet, loving little cat. My poor little cat. It's my little baby. Literally, I'm not making this stuff. My little baby cat. When I opened the door and it left, and I don't know where it's at. It's probably stuck somewhere. Uh -huh. They they care more about. You can have a kid go missing and no one post it. The Amber Alert pops up on your phone. All of us. What do we do? But a cat. Oh no, a cat! Never get the cat. It's a cat's fault for not being smart enough to stay where it's being fed and taken care of. It's a cat's fault for not just hanging around and saying, hey, what do I got to worry? I come here, I purr, and they pet me. I don't know what's going through the cat's mind. Sorry, I don't know what's going through the cat's mind. Does it think, I don't like the way he pets me? His legs, I don't like going in between his legs. It doesn't feel good to me. Let me go find someone else. I don't know. And then cat people say dogs are dumb because they stick around. I don't think dogs are very dumb because they stick around. I think they're very smart. I'm being fed. What, what, what do I got to worry about? You're going to feed me? Sit. You're going to feed me? Let me sit. What does a cat do? Sit, cat. Meow. Let's think about a cat. Roll over, cat. Meow. But dogs are dumb? I don't think so. The word of God says, here we go back to the very beginning, that there's a bunch of blessings there if we do what he tells us to do. Well, guess what? God says jump. I say how high? God says sit. I say okay. I got it. You know that saying, don't bite the, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Take everything God has for you. Receive it. Believe it. Love it. Appreciate it. Give it. Man, God is good. I mean, think about it. Think about it. God is good. 
There's nothing, brothers and sisters, that you and I can go through that God is not there with us. Is that clock right? Ah, they send, they send my baby to tell me that. Let me just summarize this real quick, brothers and sisters. To believe. This year, 2017, the corporation wants us to stand firmly in adversity. We cannot stand if we don't believe what we're standing for. That's the summary. We cannot stand if we don't believe in what we're standing for. If you believe in God, stand for God. And if you stand for God, God stands. See, if you stand for God, God stands for you. All the stories in the Bibles, if you went last night, all David and Goliath, all the Peter walking on water, all those stories is because God's intention was in the same same uh, thought as the intention of the person doing the act. When my heart thinks and acts according to how God thinks and acts, nothing can bring me down. Nothing can tear me down. But brothers and sisters, we have to make it a point to make sure that we don't fall into a place of disbelief. So I ask you and I urge you, brothers and sisters, to believe with all of your heart. To give it all from here. Don't make all this here. Don't make it a religion. Please, don't make it a religion. For your own sake, don't make it a religion. Don't make it something you just do because you do it. Something, oh, I got to go to church on Sunday. Something that you calculated into your head. Do it because the heart has the desire. You should, I should wake up on Sunday saying, yes, let's go. On Wednesdays, let's go, let's do it. Oh, I'm going to see the brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to go out to eat. Let's do it. Not not like a, you know, oh, the brother called. He wants to come over to the house. Now I got to put shorts on. The sisters that laugh have husbands that don't wear shorts at the house. The sisters that laugh. Yeah, I heard one over here really laugh. Sometimes we're like that, right? Sometimes I, I, I wear shorts, brothers and sisters. But sometimes it's like, ah, their brothers are coming. Now I got to change. And we're so mad because we got to get dressed. Don't be like that. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, by, by who God is in your life. Make it real in your life. Amen? And if you make it real, I promise you, and the word promises us that God does amazing things in our lives. Amen? God bless you, brothers and sisters.